As entrepreneurs, we all want to make a huge difference, that den in the universe. And I have a remarkable entrepreneur who's done just that. And even better, he's helping his fellow entrepreneurs accelerate their success even more. I'm John Bowen, CEO of ASNation.com. We're here at the uh, Global Studio getting all ready. I've got the special guest you can see on the side. I'm going to introduce him in just a second. But stay tuned because it's going to be remarkable. Ordinary success? No way. You want amazing, remarkable, exceptional breakthroughs. Dig deep, think bold, drive hard. Watch yourself soar beyond your dreams. AESNation.com I tell you, I am so excited. You know, we get remarkable entrepreneurs all the time, but Cameron uh, is an individual who not only has done it, but then wrote about it, and then he's willing to travel the world and coach other fellow CCs, CEOs on how to do it as well. And Cameron, uh, thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, I've had the privilege of being with you in some mastermind groups, and uh, you are the CEO coach, no question about it. Hey, John, thanks for having me. Really glad to be well, on the show. You know, let's, uh, you've got so many insights that you've learned you know, through you know, the, your various endeavors, and I, I want you to go into the backstory, but you know, you've been coaching people not only in the US, but around the world. You've, you've helped them build some pretty amazing organizations, and they're being recognized for not only being extremely successful and delivering value and realizing value, but just to work there. But what I want to do is, you know, let's get a little bit of the backstory before we get into the insights, because, you know, a few of you know, know you about, they think of Cameron and Harold and they think of junk. And I'm not sure that's the right positioning that we want. How does that all come together? Yeah, I was, um, I was the chief operating officer for a company that I'm sure most of our listeners in, in North America have heard of called 1-800-GOT-JUNK. I came into 1-800-GOT-JUNK as the 14th employee back in October of 2000 and as the chief operating officer built the company from 14 people. When I left, we had 3,100 people system-wide and we went from 2 million to 106 million in six years with no debt and we gave up no equity. So I became very well known for building that company. However, prior to that, I built three other strong brands as well. I was on the leadership team of a group called College Pro Painters, which became the largest residential house painting company on the planet. I then was on the leadership team and a partner in the chain of auto body shops, Boyd Auto Body in Canada and Gerber Auto Collision in the U.S. was the largest collision repair chain in North America. And then I was also president of a company that we sold. Um, it was a private currency company back in January of 2000. We sold for $64 million. So I've been building companies a long time prior to 1-800-GOT-JUNK. So uh, that would be what I was kind of known was as the junk man. But that was eight years ago I left there. And since then I've been coaching CEOs all over the world and I've done paid speaking of us now in 28 countries around the world as well. Hey Cameron, I mean, this is you know, so valuable. I mean, as entrepreneurs are listening to you, I, you know, certainly the, the, the most famous of the companies that you, you know, had one of the key roles, COO, was uh, 1-800-GOT-JUNK. And, and what you, uh, I mean, when you just, you've kind of flipped through it, but you grew that unbelievably uh, you know, fast. And then I just heard, you know, uh, the equity dilution was very minimal and the, the debt was zero. And so your fellow entrepreneurs love that. 
Uh, this is something we all struggle. I'm in Silicon Valley. You know, many have been venture funded and I've done those things. And I'm, I'm kind of like, if you don't need either of those, that's good. Uh, you know, why don't we just start just a, a little bit on how do you create a, a company? I mean, every one of us as entrepreneurs want to create a, cult, a culture, a vision. You know, how, how do we do what you've been able to do so uh, successfully? You know, I, I was groomed as an entrepreneur. Uh, my father was an entrepreneur. Both my grandfathers were entrepreneurs. I married a family of entrepreneurs or married into one. Uh, my brother and sister and I all own our own company. So my whole world has always been entrepreneurship. I think what was different from my world was I was taught to grow companies that had real revenue with real cost of goods sold, with real overhead and real margins. And we built the company so that using proper sales, we could make money. Um, other people go out and they try to raise a lot of money and they build companies and they can be successful as well. But my world has always been focused on the core business principles and the underlying principles of revenue, you know, and making sure that there's profitable revenue at the end. So all of the companies that I work with have to have a core underlying product that um, that is, is growable. What I work with them on are some basic core principles of growing a company. So I think of a company like a jigsaw puzzle. If you see what the end result looks like, you know, the picture on the box, now how do you build that? Well, you start with the corners and then you do the sides and then you work in the puzzle. So the way I start working on the corners are your core vision or your vivid vision, I call it, your core purpose, your core values, your BHAG, your big, hairy, audacious goal. And if you have those four corners of the puzzle or the foundations of your home really strong, you build off of those. The first side of your business are your people systems and then your strategic thinking systems, not strategic planning, but strategic thinking systems, then your meeting rhythms, and then financial systems. And those are really the sides of your puzzle. Everything else kind of comes in and is built out around that stuff. So that's what I coach organizations on all over the world, and that's really what the core of my book, Double Double, focuses on as well, is those core basics. Well, let's go through them kind of one by one, if we could, uh, Cameron. And yeah, let's start at the, I don't know which corner core value, uh, vision goes into, but let's start, you know, let's take the corners around, you know, you're kind of creating sure. this framework of this very powerful picture. And, you know, I want all our fellow entrepreneurs, whether you're watching this as a video podcast or audio to be imagining your own company, because I mean, this, this framework is so powerful, but let's start with the, the core uh, vision. Yeah. So I'm actually going to start with your core values first, because okay. I think your core values come before everything else. So your core values should be limited to three or four core values. They should be things that already exist within you and within your core employees. They should be core, so core that you would be willing to fire people if they break your core values. And that's where most companies fall short, is we post them on the wall, but we don't live them. You know, at the end of the day, Enron had core values. They were posted, but they didn't care about them. So having your core values really clear, short sentences, limited to four or five core values, and so everyone in the organization knows them, lives them, breathes them, and would be willing to fire people who breaks them, that's the corner number one are your core values. The second one is your core purpose, um, or as, as was popularized by Simon Sinek in his TED talk of Start With Why, I've known Simon now for about 12 years, when you really understand your core purpose, your why, why you exist, why you get out of bed in the morning, that's what is also going to start to propel your organization and attract people in like a magnet to you as well. You know, my core purpose is I love helping entrepreneurs make their dreams happen. So that's why I get up in the morning. It's why I do what I do is, you know, I do it for free except my kids have to eat. So your core purpose is second. Your third is your BHAG. You know, what is that big, hairy, audacious goal as Jim Collins in Good to Great coined it? 
that thing that you're going to strive towards, you might never get to, but like Microsoft's in the early days was a computer on every desktop and then it was and in every household, that BHAG that they strive for. My BHAG is to replace the term vision statement with vivid vision worldwide. And I'll get to that part in a second. So that's your third corner is your BHAG. When you have those three really clear and everyone understands them, then the CEO's job is to say, this is where we're going in the future. This is what it looks like. And it's that vivid vision. So most companies have a vision statement. You know, they got all their employees into a room. They put their favorite words up on a whiteboard. They voted on their words and they ended up with six words. They mashed them up into one sentence and they said, that's our mission statement. Go team. Well, we all know those don't work. It doesn't align. It's too obtuse. We all know that they're kind of hokey when they were put together. So a vivid vision, and I outline this in big detail in chapter one of my book, and all of your viewers and listeners can get it for free, but my book was double-double. Um, the, the, the vivid vision is a three or four page written description of your company as if you were standing three years in the future. So let's imagine you were December 31st, three years from now, and you're looking around every aspect of your company. Describe what the culture feels like. Describe what the media is saying about you. Describe what your customers are saying about you. Describe what your employees are saying about you. Pretend that you're actually describing every single area of your company's org chart as if you're standing three years in the future and describe it in such detail that anyone who reads it goes, oh my gosh, I can feel it. So it's almost like that movie that a CEO has of what their company looks like three years in the future communicated as three or four pages. And that's your your vivid vision, and you share that with employees, customers, suppliers, bankers, potential employees, and when everyone can see where you're going, they help conspire to make that happen. So that's the fourth corner of your business. You know, think of your corners as your pillars or your foundation of building a home or the corners of your jigsaw puzzle. So that's the starting this point. This is so powerful, Cameron, because yeah, look, I'm taking all kinds of notes, and yeah, and I have read your book. I, I read it a while ago. I didn't get. I should have reread it for this interview because it's so powerful. But uh, I will. I will make sure to do it because I, one of the big things I think you know I see over and over again. And I have the privilege of starting a number of businesses and going full cycle and having some uh, success as well. Is this being able to paint the picture in a way to inspire? not only your employees, your strategic partners, your clients. I mean, really, you can get everyone behind you and then working and making that picture even more rich. And, and what I love so much is that whole process that you've worked with each of the corners. I mean, and, and you know, starting with the values, purpose, BHAG, one of the things that, uh, let me go a little deeper on the purpose side and you know, the why, the why, as you were saying, Simon said, is that um, how do, you know, many entrepreneurs, when we get talking about this, they struggle with their personal why, their corporate why. How do you help, you know, a corporation and a leader or CEO and the senior team really get clarity around the purpose? Because, you know, sometimes, you know, this whole jigsaw puzzle, we're all running so hard, we don't, we don't take the time to, uh, you know, focus on this, and when we do, we're kind of lost a little bit. Yeah, I think most companies are lost. They forget, and they start talking about their products, and they start talking about what they do instead of why they do what they do. You know, a great example is Google. Google is not where they are by luck. They had absolute clarity on these four corners of their business. Their core purpose is to democratize the world's information. Their core values, they literally will fire people. One of their core values is don't be evil. 
You know, they just make decisions that are consistent with those. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're BHAG in terms of having like, I, mean, I don't know how many billions and billions or millions and billions or trillions of pages of information. Like, it's, it's incredible where they were stretching towards. But that, those become foundational in terms of inspiring people and aligning people and showing them value for their work. Um, if you think about Apple or Hewlett Packard, you know, Hewlett Packard kind of just makes computers and does stuff. Apple creates these insanely great products that challenge the status quo and give people tools to change the human race. But that's also in writing. Like they make decisions based on that stuff. So that, that's why this stuff is so powerful. Look, business isn't difficult. We really overcomplicate all aspects of running a business. I was doing a speaking event recently to a group of about 600 CEOs and I asked everyone in the audience to put their hand up if they've ever had at least an hour's training on how to run a great meeting and only about 20% of the people put their hands up. And then only about 5% of the whole audience had ever trained their employees on meetings. You know, meetings don't suck, we suck at running meetings. And that was my big point to them was, and I covered I think in, in chapter six of my book where I really cover meetings in huge detail. Business is easy if you just follow the basics. Business is extraordinarily hard if you try to challenge all the basics or kind of challenge the law of gravity. It gets well, tough. I think so often we get tempted to make it up ourselves. You know, what we're doing, is you know we're we're good technicians. We've got a uh, great product or service. We're delivering all this value, and then particularly if we're in a senior role and let's say the CEO, you know, uh, there's all these other elements that you know we didn't necessarily sign up. You know, the classic accidental CEO. All of a sure. sudden, we find ourselves in. And you know, you're providing all this framework. And you know, one of the areas too, I'd like to go a little deeper. Um, is I see people that are having a hard time, Cameron, on stretching on BHAGs. And, you know, you're, you're, it's one thing to get, you know, okay, what am I going to do today? It's another to go out three years, you know, and the vivid vision, and you can start putting that together, most people. But when we go BHAGs and looking even beyond that, they uh, struggle. How, how do you help your, your, your coaching clients, you know, really embrace that? Because that, having that directional you know, that that's where we're heading uh, and, and getting people there. It's amazing what they can do and create. Yeah, it, it is amazing and it is, it is a bit of a stretch. So a lot of it comes down to just giving them examples of, of, um, of things or, or of people who have done some stuff. So, you know, one example is Elon Musk. You know, I was a reference for Elon in his very first round of funding in 1995 when he and his brother Kimball were raising money for a company called Zip2. This was prior to PayPal. Um, prior to then SpaceX and Tesla, but no one knew Elon. And but Elon had an ability to communicate a vision and to dream at a level that was just bigger. And then one could communicate this vision at such a huge, grandiose level. He could also start backing it up with ideas on how to make it happen in people. And that's where the inspiration was. I think to your point, we don't dream big enough. You know, in North America, we tend to try to make what we have a little bit bigger and make that ball of elastic bands a little bit bigger. What we need to do is, is pull people together and ask the first, why do we really exist? And then if we really exist like that, what's one big thing that we could do that would really knock the cover off the wall? That's kind of why I want to replace the term mission statement with vivid visions worldwide is vision statements or mission statements don't work. They suck. Everybody knows it and everyone has one, but it's not aligning anybody. It's not inspiring anybody. And, and if you can create something that is so simple and elegant to put in place that really does align everyone around you, why wouldn't we do that? Well, it's funny. I didn't know, Cameron, you knew Elon. I ended up taking a four-day race car driving class with Elon. He's my racing partner. We just happened to get together. 
And what was so funny, he had just sold Zip2. So when he had his McLaren? He had the McLaren. I did get to drive it before he wrecked it. And uh, uh, he showed up at, I think it was 28 or 29 at the time. And uh, the thing that is so amazing, I brought a group. We just closed a deal on acquiring a uh, major financial service firm. So I took a bunch of people with me to this. And Elon, you know, much like successful 28-year-olds will do when we were talking about, okay, what do you do? He shared his vision, and he was creating a new financial company to do away with financial advisors. And almost everybody else in the class was a financial advisor. Right. And we all went out to dinner, and, and he had this brilliant vision, and he had so many people get behind him. And, it, and it, quite honestly, it failed. I stayed in touch with him. And, and he, one of the things he was remarkable about is, if that vision isn't working, you pivot and, you know, I bought PayPal and the rest, you know, most everybody else knows yeah. is history. And this is where I think, you know, when, sometimes, you know, the market tells us our vision isn't right. You know, it's okay to move the vision a bit. And, and some of the most successful entrepreneurs do that. Well, I think that's why, again, the vivid vision is so important is if you have everyone pulling in that same direction, if you do have to pivot 30 degrees or 180 degrees, you can quickly move everyone. But if you don't have everyone aligned, it's very, very hard to change them. I'm actually coaching the CEO of Sprint right now and then working directly with his president. Um, you know, Sprint is one of the largest companies in North America. I think they're 82nd in, on the Fortune 500. Um, and, and they're a $5 billion company. But they're literally working on these same core tenants as well. And, and to align everyone with where you're going is the only way to, the, to, to move these companies. It's so hard for all of us to differentiate ourselves and, you know, cell phone with Sprint right now, um, you know, they're getting some press currently and, you know, making some big changes. And I'm sure you're involved in helping them. And, you know, and this is where, you know, it's not only making a differentiating ourselves, but the distinction is often these four corners. But I want to fill in the rest of the puzzle. Sure. So let's let's start filling that in, because as entrepreneurs, we've got to have it complete, Cameron. <laughs> So the, the, the first side of your puzzle is the people systems. And it's interesting, it's why, it's why the, uh, the VC firm backed Elon and Kimball was Kimball had all of the experience in having built college pro painters with me. He worked for me back in 93. And, and Kimball had all this business depth that when they were looking at, do you know how to do what you're doing? When they stacked up all the stuff that he had to do, Kimball had done it all. So Kimball was really the bank that they banked on um, they banked on Elon's vision for Zip2, but Kimball's experience in having run a company already. So when you're hiring people, the first thing you need to look at, that old adage of hire for attitude, train for skill, is actually garbage. You need to hire for attitude and skill. So you need the culture fit, but you need someone who has done what you need them to do. So I use a principle called the scorecard from Brad and Jeff Smart's book, Top Grading, which is now called Who. Um, and their idea is put a list of the five big things the person has to get done in their first year and put those on paper. What are the five things they have to get accomplished in year one? What are the behavioral traits they need to live by while they're doing their job? What are the core values they need to, to live by while they're doing their job? And then hire someone who has done as many of those five things as possible, always lives those core values on their day-to-day -day and, and exhibits those behavioral traits and then do the reference checks and, and really interview hard around that. Most people don't do that. We hire people based on attitude or we hire based on the general ideas of what the job is. Um, but what I want to do is poach people who have done this. Second part of people is great employees are already working somewhere. 
and they're not looking for jobs. You need to poach them. You need to know where they are. I have some fantastic search firms that all of my clients all over the world are using. No one would even know the names of these search firms, but they have an incredible ability to go out and poach people and, and bring them into your company. So it's making sure that you're hiring only the A players. That old adage of A players are racehorses, B players are workhorses, and C players should go to the glue factory is again really true that most companies keep the B and C's and try to manage people and hold them accountable. If you have A players, you don't have to manage them at all and you don't have to hold them accountable. They already manage themselves and they're accountable people. You just get to inspire them and they go off and run. So it's people systems is first. The next side of your business is the strategic thinking system. So it's stuff around strategy and planning and it's having time in your calendar every week or every two weeks to talk about things at least six months or 12 months out on the calendar. Talking about the what ifs. You know, what if a recession comes and hits us again? What if the economy changes? What if the dollar, you know, corrects by 20%? What, what are the good things that could happen or the bad things that could happen? What about acquisitions? It's having discussions around strategy and then building those into a planning system so that you really know on a yearly and quarterly basis what each business area is doing, the top three or five things each business area is going to get done, and every quarter and every month what each individual is actually going to get done so that everyone can see what everyone's working on, how it all works together, and then those you can apply those resources of people, time, and money towards those projects. Then the third side of the business is your meeting rhythms. I'm going pretty pretty fast on all this, but this is what I, again, I coach CEOs on this, and I've got a mastermind program for CEOs on this stuff that we work with in depth, But uh, and the book covers it in more detail. But the, the meeting rhythms are putting the proper meeting structures in place and running meetings in a highly effective way so people actually want to show up because you're driving the business forward. Um, so it's having meetings related to strategy, related to financials, related to operations, related to your meeting uh, KPIs and metrics and one-on-one -on -one coaching meetings um, and putting those systems in place to be regularly doing that and also replacing a lot of your internal uh, email communication by having face-to-face -face meetings as well. And then the last step is your financial systems. And it's having the right financial systems in place and the right financial metrics in place to manage the business by. Most companies don't have the right either financial acumen or the right financial systems in place. And I even like to say that if you're less than a $20 million company, you probably can't afford a pure CFO to work for you. But it's financially irresponsible to not have a CFO look at your financial statements for you two hours a month. You know, maybe you pay somebody 500 bucks a month to look at your financials and come back to you with questions and insights that you and your controller can then execute on. So it's putting the right financial systems in place to grow the business is the fourth side of the company. These are all extremely powerful. I mean, I'm gonna just start with the last one first is, you know, if you don't have the scale yet to have, you know, a really good CFO, uh, and I've been privileged and many of my companies have it, we really don't, you know, in the one, uh, the, the primary one I have now, there, there are some unbelievable uh, virtual CFOs so that you can, you know, I've actually had a virtual CFO for multiple companies now, and it's just been extremely valuable. And, it, and it's really what you're saying, Cameron, is that, you know, just having somebody look at this in a, you know, and help you organize the financials. And in today's world, the systems and software you can and the dashboards that you can create to make sure you're on track um, have never been really cheaper to do. Well, and I think a lot of it is that entrepreneurs also tend to not be that strong on the financial side of their business. You know, most entrepreneurs 
you know, I'm talking about the 80% rule. Most of us struggled with school and weren't that smart, so we went out and did it on our own. We were always told we couldn't do it, so we just said, you know, we're going to prove you wrong. But most entrepreneurs aren't that strong on the financial side, and, and we also then make financial decisions that aren't probably the best. We did it in the early days. We made some big mistakes. You know, I even proudly say we had no debt, but that's actually not that smart of a decision. We were a very, very strong company with an extraordinarily healthy balance sheet, but we built the whole business off cash flow, which is insane. What we should have done was leverage our balance sheet to have given us a lot more wiggle room and probably grow even faster and better um, versus growing completely by cash flow. But because we didn't understand the financial side and we didn't have a strong CFO in those first four or five years, we built the business off cash flow and we didn't have to. So you know, we could have grown it in a much stronger, faster, bigger way than even we did. You know, we ended up in four countries and 330 cities. We probably could have done that in a third of the time or two-thirds of the time or even grown stronger um, had we leveraged our balance sheet. But we didn't have the financial acumen and we, were, we weren't smart enough to go out and hire the person for a few hours a month, the interim person, to help us out. Uh, I've got a couple of good friends that are, uh, C they are CFOs of public companies and it's just uh, the... You know, the opportunity, if you're doing any type of alternative financing, the M&A type track, you know, if you're considering any of this stuff um, and really understanding whether debt or equity, because there are times where equity is a lot more attractive than That's debt. Right. And we all, you know, we, we're all brave entrepreneurs. We want to go it alone. And, you know, we don't want people either. We just, you know, if we could, it'd be great business if we didn't have to have employees and clients. I mean, it'd be phenomenal. Right. But, you know, one of the things I love, Cameron, what you've done, too, is you take the best of the best. I mean, it's not all, you know, you had to come up with it. Uh, you know, Top Grader is a great example on, you know, the people side. And, and there's these tracks to run on that we all have that so few entrepreneurs are doing it. They're trying to run this and do it on their own. Yeah, I think, you know, that's, that's really, so the genesis of why I started coaching CEOs, and even my, my company is called Back Pocket COO, is I'm really a chief operating officer in your back pocket. Most companies can't afford to have someone like me, but wow, if they had me for three hours a month, imagine how much they could grow their business by. And, and my systems, you're right, aren't my ideas. There's not a single thing that I really use today that was mine, but my R&D stands for rip off and duplicate. I look for the best systems that are being used by the best companies that are easy to put in place, that don't need an MBA, like not complicated, don't cost a lot of money, but will really, really grow the company. And those are the ones that I get people using. So I don't understand why people work so hard when the answers are already in there, other than to say, I think the school system really kind of messed us up because it told us we had to memorize everything and we had to be the smart person in the room, when the reality is we just have to know a bunch of smart people and do what they're telling us to do. and and. Anyway, that, that's exactly right. I just do the, the stuff that's already been invented. I'm a sure. big believer in repurposing. I don't call it ripoff. It's repurposing. Sure, <laughs> but repurposing but they're, the, they're both ours. Yeah, yeah. let's go to meetings. before Because uh, I want to direct them to some of the resources. But uh, sure. meetings is one of the things as entrepreneurs. You know, we, we, got, we became entrepreneurs because we want freedom. We want freedom from a whole bunch of things. You know, freedom of choosing the people we're hanging out with, the time. Uh, you know, freedom financially, freedom of purpose, relationships, all that. And what, you know, and meetings just seem to suck all those freedoms away. And uh, you talked about, geez, you know, we don't know how to run meetings. And I would agree with that. I see that over and over again, I, you know, through a lot of my sure. career where I was usually CEO of the firms that I had, 
but I had a lot of strategic partners and some really big financial firms and the, the lack of productive meetings and how many really thousands of dollars were being wasted, if not tens, thousands and hundreds of thousands. You know, yeah. how do we help our fellow entrepreneurs, Cameron, to kind of address that? So here's, here's a way to think about it. Would we or any of our listeners or viewers, would they ever send their kid to go play Little League without playing catch with them first, without throwing the ball and teaching them how to hold a bat and how to put their glove on. Like we would, we, of course we would spend hours with our kid get, teaching them the basics before we'd ever let them off, send them off to Little League. If he went to Little League without the basics from us, he'd feel stupid. And yet we do that with our employees every day. We let them go and run a meeting or attend meetings with no training on how to do that. So of course the meetings suck. It's like sending out nine kids out onto the field to play baseball or 10 kids. Of course they're going to suck. They're like the bad news bears because they've had no training in it. But if you give the kids the basics, if you give them the skills, they can become very high performing. So I'll give you some basic ideas on running meetings. Every meeting has to have a clear purpose. Just one sentence. Why are we showing up? Every meeting can have a maximum of three outcomes. What are the three things that we're going to get done? Every meeting has to have an agenda. Just in what order are we covering things? How many minutes are we going to spend on each bullet point item? Who's covering each area and what's the discussion style? Is it communication? Is it info share or is it create, um, consensus decision on each point? That's it. Just a simple agenda. Every meeting has to start on time and every meeting should stop five minutes early. And the reason we stop five minutes early is so we can then start on time for the next meeting. So you build in a buffer by saying every meeting and every phone call stops five minutes early. I also book all of our meetings for half the time we first think about booking them for. So instead of booking an hour meeting, book it for 30 minutes. Instead of doing an all day, let's do it for half a day. So trying to get everyone in the company in that same mindset of booking it for half the time. And then every meeting has to have three roles being played, a moderator, a timekeeper, and a parking lot. The moderator to keep us on track, the timekeeper to make sure that we stay on the agenda and, and on time, and the parking lot is, hey, that's a great idea, let me write it down and we can talk about it later or offline. And those are really the basic tenets of running meetings. If you know, if your listeners go through chapter six of my book, um, they'll get all of the insights on how to run it and the best meetings to run. And, and I'm not trying to sell them on it, but I'm really tired of people saying meetings suck. Meetings are awesome if you know how to run them. Yeah. Little league sucks if you don't know how to play baseball. But little league can be fun if you actually know how to catch. Well, and throw not the ball. only can uh, meetings be fun, they can be unbelievably productive. Let me go to the next segment, the book of the day. And, uh, what I'd love to do is have you, I'm gonna put up on the screen your book, and uh, I'm not gonna let you talk about anybody else's book, but tell us a little bit about what's in Double Double, because you, you, I mean, what I think is brilliant is you're providing all the framing as well as some of the stories about how, I mean, two favorite subjects. I mean, how you can double your revenue and profit in three years or less. I, I have yet to meet an entrepreneur that says, you know what, Cameron, I don't like that. Sure. Do, do you mind if I mention three really impactful books along with mine? Sure. So the, the three that I'll, I'll mention and were formative in me understanding companies. The first is The E-Myth by Michael Gerber and it talks about putting the systems and processes in place as if you were going to franchise it and working on the business instead of in the business. Real easy read but very formative for early stage entrepreneurs to really wrap their head around. 
The second one is a book um, called, it's called, it's now called Scaling Up, but it was originally called The Rockefeller Habits by Vern Harnish. And very, very strong systems um, can be complex in some areas, but, but very strong systems on growing growth organizations. Vern had been a mentor of ours in the early days, 15 years ago, and, and loved all of his work. And then the third is Jim Collins' work, Good to Great. The, the, I love all of the ideas in Good to Great. The problem is he doesn't teach us how to do what he does. So I tried to blend that into double-double and not come at any of these entrepreneurs with theory, but I wanted to give them the systems on exactly how to do each of these things. So when you read each chapter of my book, it tells you how to hire people. It tells you how to interview them. It tells you how to fire them. It tells you step-by-step -step how to run meetings. It tells you how to do a vivid vision, how to build culture, how to get PR. Instead of saying the ideas or the theory behind it, it gives you the step-by-step -step instructions on how to actually get it done. And that was really my goal was to give you, in effect, the cheat sheets or the shortcuts to grow. Well, let me, let me do this, jump in just for a second. And uh, what I want to do is I want to just go through the books again. E-Myth, I, I love. I think it was one of the most transformational books I've ever read. And uh, Vern, I'm putting up on the screen, Scaling Up. And we'll have all the links at AES Nation. Uh, great book. A little hard to read because it's so detailed, but boy, yeah. what a, a great, as a matter of fact, I'm having Vern speak at my next mastermind group for all my financial top professionals. Uh, yeah. And then good to great, you know, totally agree. And what I like about yours, Kevin, is you, you, I mean, it's a little bit easier to accomplish all this stuff and, and you're really building from, you know, all these great uh, gurus out there. Well, at the end of the day, I've also built companies. So the difference, I think, with Vern or with with Jim Collins, they're very they're very strong on the theory and the the um, strong take home systems. But I've actually built four companies back to back that had fantastic cultures, extraordinary growth, um, very profitable brands. And and it's different to build companies and then also be really in the day to day of coaching organizations and realizing that every system has to be kind of tweaked and and molded to fit. You know, you can't be so rigid and saying this form has to be used because it's different. Every company is different. And that's, I think, what I tried to get across in Double Double as well was take these ideas and make them your own, but, you know, build them, build them kind of from that base of the jigsaw puzzle. Well, idea. let's go to the next one is uh, app of the day. What would be on your smartphone the application that you would recommend to your fellow entrepreneurs? I like a simple one. This, this is, I don't know if they can see this, but it's uh, called Pomodoro. And um, Pomodoro is a, a real simple time management tool that doesn't essentially manage your time, but it helps you focus for 20 or 25 minutes and then gives you a break. The reality is our minds can only focus for so long before they drift. And most entrepreneurs have ADD. Most business people are scattered with, with the busyness of the world. But we need to get stuff done. It's not about being busy. It's about being productive. You know, it's about getting the critical few things done versus the important many. So my favorite app is this Pomodoro, which really gets you focused on these 20 or 20-minute 20 sprints. Let me go to the last segment, which is resources. And I'm going to put up your website. And Cameron, would you share, I mean, you know, if someone you know, wants to learn more about beyond reading the book, what you do, how they might be able to work with you or hire you as a speaker, coach, or sure. join your mastermind group? Well, if, if they send an email to Cameron at CameronHeralds.com, and it's H-E-R-O-L-D, so Cameron at CameronHerald.com, um, I can send them out information. If they want, I can also send them some samples of the vivid visions and meeting rhythms. If they text the word double 
to 38470. So it's 38470. They text the word double to that number. It'll ask for their email address and I'll be able to send them out all kinds of, of information. Um, that's probably where I would, I would get started. Also, all of my speaking events are available online off my website. Your viewers can actually download and watch with their um, employees all four of my speaking events, which cover a lot of the content we kind of touched on today, more stuff related to culture. I have a third related to the highs and lows of CEOs and a fourth related to PR. So all four of those videos are available online for people as well. Great. L let me go to the last segment here. I'm sitting here looking at my notes and everything, and it's just huge. And I mean, there's eight big ones in the whole framing. You know, I'm going to encourage you to go to AES Nation, download the transcript so you can go through this. Um, it's pretty amazing. But, you know, starting, you know, with the corner puzzles, you know, the core value, the uh, purpose and the why versus the what that we all talk about. The BHAG, you know, the big, hairy, audacious goal, and then that vivid vision three years out. And if you can have all three, or excuse me, all four of those corners covered, um, you're going to have, you know, so much ahead of all the other entrepreneurs in making a difference, inspiring people. And that's where it's going to attract the right people. How are you going to have those A players working with you? You know, they've got to be inspired. They've got a choice. They're already hired, as Cameron talked about. So, and use the tools. Top Grader is a great tool. Strategic thinking, you know, asking what if. I mean, stuff happens. Uh, 2008, 2009, the internet bubble. You know, in your industry, whatever specific one you have, there are things going to happen. The ability to work collaboratively together, and particularly in meetings, is critical. I don't care. I, you know, I have a... I have a virtual company. I have about 60 people working through the different companies that I have. It is so productive being virtual because we're forced to be really organized. I can look back at some of my other companies where I had as many as 400 employees and didn't have that. And then financial systems, um, geez, you know, even if you don't care about making money, you got to have sustainability. And if you're going to accelerate the growth, make that big difference, you have to have that. Uh, Cameron, I want to thank you again. This has been really inspiring. I want to encourage everybody to go to AESNation.com, download this, get the links, check out Cameron, you know, definitely buy the book and consider if you're at the right place to really want to accelerate your success, you won't find a better CEO coach. Cameron, thank you again. Thanks, John. Really, really had fun being here. Looking forward to seeing you at our, uh, the Genius Network in September well, as well. I, I will look forward to it as well. And then in the meantime, remember your clients, your future clients, all those future strategic partners are counting on you. Go execute this. Don't let them down. Exceptional, remarkable breakthrough. AESNation.com.